Welcome to the Not So Sunday Podcast, where we talk about what it looks like to live like Jesus more than just once a week. Hey, everybody, this is Nikki and Casey coming to you from the Woods Church. Hey, everybody, hope you're doing well this week. Hope everybody has had just a great couple of days. I don't know about you guys, but it's fall is settling in. I don't know if you are a pumpkin spice person. I really am not. I, it depends. Uh, Starbucks, no. I used to be a big fan of it, and I'm not trying to talk down on them. Starbucks, I'm sorry. But uh, I had one from my buddy at Sabbath Coffee recently, and it was like far above anything I've ever had. So I was like, man, I'm ready for fall if this is what fall tastes like. For those of you who are listening that are not from the metro Detroit area, Sabbath Coffee is one of our great coffee roasters that we have locally here. And you know, me, I'm loving these days. Yeah, I'm not a pumpkin spice. I don't get into it. it no start. No no offense to anybody who loves them. You, you do you. You love your pumpkin spice. Own it. I am more feeling the honey cinnamon oat milk lattes these days. If I'm going to go off of my Americano path, that's where I'm going. Yeah, my wife changed it up this year. Usually she is very much of like the like sweeter drinks, mm-hmm. but uh, especially in the fall, it's warm, it's sweet, it's good. But recently it's been the plain latte with simple syrup. And I'm like, ooh, this is new. That's it's good. The, wait a minute, just simple syrup, no flavor? No, the simple syrup is the flavor. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever had coffee with just simple syrup in it. Oh, you have to get it specifically in a latte or it's going to taste super weird. Interesting. So See? the espresso levels out with a little bit of bitter, a little bit of sweet. Anyways, if you guys don't like coffee, sorry about sorry, that. Sorry, we're, we're going on a little coffee tangent here because we're both coffee aficionados. I'm a little more of an amateur. I would say Casey is way more a professional in his coffee. His coffee palate is definitely elevated. <laughs> That's one thing you could say. Um, <laughs> no, but I love this season as we wind down the summer mm-hmm. because it means that we get back into healthy routines. I think that people naturally go off of course in the summer and they kind of, it's the sleep in later. It's the forget how to run your kids' schedules. It's the, I don't remember how to attend church anymore, but <laughs> all of a sudden fall hits and it's like, oh, there's a new series. There's a kids' classes and all these things. I would things. be interested. That's actually, you just said something. I would be interested to to know from our listeners, is it geographically an, an issue where people forget how to go to church in the summertime to Michigan? Like Michiganders, like in, in the north or the Midwest or the northeast, like we only have so many nice days. And here in Michigan, people go camping, like people go up north. We call it going up north. People go up to the upper part of the state. They go into the upper peninsula and, and quite honestly, our church attendance, we see that. So is like that a geographical thing? Is that something that happens across the country? Honestly, it's really funny to um, think about that because I have no idea what that looks like. But on the topic of going up north, and like this is something <laughs> for most people, it sounds completely foreign. My buddy Dan is from Kansas. Okay. And when I told him about that, he laughed at me. Going up north? I was like, yeah, like we go to my grandparents' house. It's pretty far away. It's like three hours. And he goes... That's really dumb. Like we, like that's not up north. That's not traveling. He goes. I would drive seven hours to go to places on a normal day, and it's not that weird. Like not like on a like an everyday basis, but like it would be pretty frequent that he would travel great distances because, like everything's closer here and nothing is close there. And like I was like, is this true everywhere? So I was talking to my buddy from Colorado, and he said the same thing. Like yeah, like three hours is not a trek. And I was like, really? I was like, I feel like three hours is pushing it. Yeah, I feel like I went on a road trip if I went three hours. 
that's not the case for most places. Maybe we're just road trip lightweights. Like we don't understand what a true road trip is, Case. It's got to be. I had a buddy when we went to Alaska, uh, one of the guys I met there and I've stayed in contact with him. He actually drove from Michigan up through Canada and to Alaska. And he said, oh, that was such a great drive. And I was like, that sounds dreadful because it was days of traveling. Oh, that's that's a road trip. So <laughs> I just don't get it. So, yeah, no. but. Uh, in spite of all that, or like not even to say like any of this stuff is irrelevant, but there's been some pretty big recent events going on. Absolutely. Uh, one of which I know you have paid a lot of attention to. I will uh, unashamedly plead ignorance on the case of I don't know much about this topic, but it's another thing. People were traveling pretty great distances to experience something pretty significant. Absolutely. Like unless you're living under a rock, you know that Queen Elizabeth II passed away at the beginning of the month of September and, or yeah, yeah, towards the beginning of September and and then put that country into a multiple, almost two week period of mourning. And yes, you're right. The history nerd in me could not help herself. I paid a lot of attention to the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II. I, I will admit that I do actually know quite a bit about her life. She intrigues me. I actually heard a reporter, uh, the British reporter Piers Morgan, say that she is arguably the most famous or well-known person in the whole world. Right. Like globally, she's probably the most recognizable face. And you think about that, 70 years. Can you imagine 70 years she was on the throne? That's wild. I think in our context, our, our presidents are some most of the time four sometimes eight right uh, so that's like 10 times plus like that i think about it i put it in context of history her first prime minister was winston churchill like that tells you everything you need to know yeah and to not sound like ignorant but that means she's she was old old because oh, like she yeah. reigned for a long time her most famous person that she was with that person winston churchill books were written about and things were written about he was in movies based on a war that most people weren't even alive for their right. kids to even understand the context like of. think of the world leaders that she came in contact with that we only know in a historical sense really winston churchill gandhi uh nelson mandela mother Teresa. i mean these were all of the world leaders that she was on the global scale. And yeah, I mean, she became queen at 26, reigned for 70 years. So for 90, it, for, for she was 96 years old. And three days before she died, she was still serving the people of Great Britain by installing the new prime minister. And, and I think what fascinates me about Queen Elizabeth a little bit, there's a couple of things that fascinate me about her, is first of all, she was a, whether you agree with the monarchy or not, this is not, we're not going to debate whether we agree with the monarchy or not. It, I don't even know as Americans if we totally understand the monarchy other than we tried to, we just, we left. We I fought to get away certain, from them. I have no idea. <laughs> right? I didn't even know that she was over the church uh, of yes. England. I had no idea. All I knew was that she was a queen. That was like, is Good one, job, yeah, that is one of the things that's so interesting about the monarchy is that when you are the reigning ruler, you become the head of the church because if you really take it back in time, there was a time where they they believed that the monarch was actually divine. But by God's ordaining, she becomes, we know, we know you, like now King Charles is the head of the Church of England. He has been ordained by God to be the king. And so therefore he is now the head and she was the head of the church. And it's interesting, what I found fascinating about Queen Elizabeth was how much service to people 
and her dedication to serving the people of Great Britain really was, I mean, she had a servant's heart. Right. There's no doubt about it. She served, she served well, she served under the most difficult. I mean, think about the things that occurred in the time of her reign. It, it, I mean, it's it's actually mind-blowing. Yeah, I mean, even in England, multiple recessions, things of that nature. Absolutely. Um, I will say I had to do quite a bit of research in order to like, I, like, I don't even know how we're going to have this conversation. <laughs> uh, and I found it pretty interesting. The more you read up on this lady, the more you say like, wow, like this woman lived a very significant life. And uh, one of the things I, I had no idea, I understood like the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. But to understand how little their leadership gets out and into it mm-hmm. over the course of history, to hear like that she was the first one to visit Australia in a long time, and the first one to visit New Zealand mm-hmm. in like 50 to 70 years, and things like that, and the nature of like, hey, I went out and saw our people far reaching and made sure that people knew that we were here for them. And I was like, I didn't even know. Right? I, I had no idea. I just thought she was in, in a castle somewhere. Just, right. You know, that's, leading like a queen because that's what that, we've always been told. Right. That's how the, that's the American mindset. But it's but I think that's the reason why we saw such an outpouring. It's why you saw people wait hours and hours. That's why you saw a celebrity like David Beckham who could have pulled clout and said, listen, I'm a great, you know, I am a national treasure in England pull the card but he didn't out of respect for his queen stood in line for 12 or 13 hours to simply walk by her casket i think that is a testament to somebody who served their people their nation well and in fact you know case i know i told you this i watched a little bit of the funeral because yes i'm that much of a nerd like i didn't get up early to watch it but i put it on as i was getting my son on the bus and the archbishop of canterbury justin welby within the funeral service talking about her heart to serve and, mm. and really her deep understanding that she was put in a position of great responsibility and, and she had a responsibility to serve these the, her nation well. And he said that uh, in all cases, those who serve will be loved and remembered when those who cling to power and privilege are long forgotten. And that stuck with me because as I'm watching all this pageantry, all of the floods of people who waited hours and hours and the tears yeah. and the and the stories that people shared and they just wanted a, a a glimpse of the royal family or to shake King Charles's hand or Prince William's hand or you know Princess Kate's hand, Catherine's hand. I was struck by the fact that this is what we do for an earthly leader. Yeah. That's crazy. This is the revere, you know, the reverence we have for an earthly leader. And I, and I couldn't help but think, do we ever have that kind of response to God? Yeah, to his church even. To his church, absolutely. Can, can you do me a favor yeah. for just everyone listening? Can you repeat that quote? Because I think that that is worth going back to and kind of talking about. Absolutely. He says, but in all cases, those who serve will be loved and remembered when those who cling to power and privilege are long forgotten. Wow. That's, that's legacy right that's, there. That's legacy, and that's that's insane. I think that we have lost sight of much of what that means to hold something or someone to that high of esteem or regard that they deserve that much honor. Right. And I think um, we actually have had a lot of conversations recently in our circle about holiness. Yeah. And I think if you are a non-believer, this is what sounds like a really lofty idea, but holiness in itself is the characteristic of God. It's who he is. It's his nature. It's what makes him all 
all moral righteousness and truth and just and omnipotent, omnipresent over all things, in all things, all powerful. And it's because of his holiness. And I think that as a church, we have lost sight a lot of the time of that holiness. And we were talking about this and this idea came forward, like if we would have such a magnificent beautiful memorial Mm -hmm. for this person who did great things how do we not hold the church in that regard and I likened it to a premature funeral, mm-hmm. right? Like I, in our country specifically, in a lot of countries around the world, yeah. like the church is being all but forgotten. Mm. Like it has so had true. no impact because in some places it hasn't. Mm-hmm. And our responsibility as believers is to honor the church by honoring God, by living the life he called us to live. Absolutely. And if we want the church to be worthy, right? Like if we say, I want the church to be worthy of being celebrated and regarded as something great, then we have to say, we as the church are going to make ourselves in light of who God is exactly that. That's so good, Case. And you know what? As you're talking, that right there is the parallel because there are going to be some people listening going, why did we spend all that time talking about Queen Elizabeth? This is why. Because from the moment her father became king, she knew that one day she would be queen Mm -hmm. and that there were things that she had to do to walk in the fullness of that calling and not just be a queen, but rise up up to what a good queen should be and the reality is is when we accept jesus christ as our lord and savior there is something that our father has for us he has a desire for his people there is a calling he has placed upon our lives and we can walk in the bare minimum of that right. and live in the in the bare minimum of okay what, what what's the least i have to do and just still get to heaven or we can walk in the fullness of that and have that legacy that is firmly rooted not in a great kingdom not in a great reign or anything like that that's worldly but what does it look like to have a, a legacy that's deeply rooted in christ because we walked into the fullness of what we were called to do who we were called to be you know her dad died she became the queen our savior died so that we could be sons and daughters of the most high god it is about stepping into your calling and doing it well right and i think that one of the things that you touched on so well is that you said like she she knew full well that she would one day be queen so she lived her Mm -hmm. life accordingly yep and i think that it helps us to understand like there is a amount of sacrifice Mm -hmm. and giving up and saying i'm gonna cast aside these things because i have been called to a greater purpose now these things might be the more fun, more simple, they might make life a little bit easier to tolerate in the process, but that doesn't mean that they're worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And when she recognized that, she said, if I'm going to lead this country the way it needs to be led, I'm going to have to make sure that I am without fault in the way that I lead it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to live without fault in the way that I do things. I'm not going to cast aside my morals. I'm not going to slide on decisions and let things go in an easy way because it's beneficial. And I think as the church, we have to say the same thing if God is calling us to be his sons and daughters then we have to say I want to live the life that is worthy of that title and it's not going to come through anything we do and that's the struggle and I think that as a believer or not there's this tricky battle that we face where we go okay so if God is in control of everything then how come I have to do the work Mm. and but that's what holiness looks like in God it's character in people it's obedience absolutely and and, and it is about surrendering right. to something greater 
than yourself. It is about recognizing that in our own strength and power, we don't actually have the ability right. to be, you know, when, when there's a, a passage in the Old Testament in the book of Psalms, Psalm 139 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, we can only live in the fullness of that when we allow God to be the author of our story, when we allow him to reconcile us back to what he created us to be. And that only happens through passionately pursuing his son, Jesus Christ. And I love what the apostle Paul says. He talks about being himself a prisoner for serving the Lord. And then he says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. And then he says, always be humble and gentle and be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in spirit, binding yourself together with peace. You know, we talk about this idea of God being holy and it's all of those things that Paul just talked about that. It's that grace. It's that peace. It's that humility. It's that gentleness. It's that love that is the totality of who God is and his holiness is the totality of all of his attributes coming together and the fact that he is, in case you, you say this often, he is all good. Yeah. He is all good. Yeah. And so we can rest assured that when we step into a calling following after a God who is all good, right. then we will be on the right path. Right. And to, to kind of give direction for that, like what is the right path? I think it's only understood in right relationship to Jesus. And I think that we understand uh, much like in comparison to the queen, and I think it's going to be natural just kind of segue back to yeah. her for examples, like much in the way that she had to put on the crown every day mm -hmm. and to live out service for her people. Like we do the same thing with the cross that we have to put the cross on our shoulders. We have to carry it. We have to surrender each day in order to live like he called us to live. Uh, Romans talks about the idea that when you are his children, that his spirit dwells within you and that is evidence that you are his and that when you do not have that spirit then it's evident that you are not his children and I think of that same idea we say like well how do I know if someone is walking in this how do I know if I'm walking in it is there evidence of it right for the queen it was my service to my people mm -hmm. showed that I chose to carry this daily for us it's my obedience to my father shows that I chose to carry this daily and how he's working through me absolutely there has to be evidence and I think that that's that's the struggle though that's yeah. like when you look at when you look at the nations and you say okay so I can see the impact that the queen had as the head of the church and the head of her nation mm -hmm. you, you say it's evidence that there's evidence that she impacted her people right but the struggle is when we look at the church as a whole we look at it and we say is there evidence that the spirit is impacting mm. those people it's and that's so the question is the church holy we would hope so. The goal is that we're striving towards it because we're pursuing him. Right. And, and I think that's such a, you, you bring up such a beautiful analogy and such a sad analogy in that, because when you really think about that case, and I think about all the pageantry and all the people that came out and the, the flooding of people as this monarch has passed away. And the reality is, is the church in America is dying. And where are her people to mourn her and to really ask God to breathe new life into her right she's not dead we act sometimes we act like she is but she's not right the bride of christ is alive but it's a little bit on life support right because 
Where is the evidence? You know, I think so often we get confused in what it looks like to be a Christ follower. And we like religion, Jesus, rather than relationship, Jesus. Right. But religion, Jesus, isn't rooted in the presence of God. Often the spirit isn't coming alive if he's just your religion. Right. But when you have a relationship with Jesus and the spirit of the living God dwells inside of you, that's when the evidence starts to come alive in your life. That's when those fruits of the spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians, you know, love, peace, patience, self-control, and the list goes on and on. Yeah, thank you. Yes. (laughs) All of those, (laughs) though, that's when that comes alive in your life. And that's what the pursuit of holiness is all about when it's less about us and more about jesus and and i think about and this is you know when you think about the queen this is the interesting thing is that woman i'm sure obviously she's a human being i'm sure she had political opinions i'm sure there was things she liked things that she didn't like yet she submitted and surrendered her life to the crown and to the people and so quite honestly it wasn't about her likes, her preferences, her opinions. It was never about that. It was about the good of the people. And as Christ followers, it's not about our likes, our preferences, our opinions. It is about what is pleasing to God. Right. What does he want? Right. And for those of you listening who like, maybe you're not on the track of pursuing Jesus and that's not where your heart's at. Well, first of all, I would say I would love to invite you into that relationship, Mm -hmm. that it's so worth living. But at the same time, I wanted to just say this for you guys, like, there has to be a point where your life is about more than you. Absolutely. And I think that when you look at this, I was talking to a guy who roasts coffee in Northern Ireland and he works at a college and is involved in student life there. And I was talking to him about shipping and he was like, honestly, life has been on hold here mm-hmm. because ever since the queen died, things have slowed down. And I was like, one person's death was enough to put the world on pause. Right. But when we look at our communities, we see the brokenness and the destruction and all this damage. And we're like, I can't even sacrifice a moment to see new life happen there. Mm. So whether you're a believer or not, you have to understand that at a certain point, your life has to be given over to the cause of others. Yes. And for Christ followers, that means that you're given over to the cause of Jesus because he will transform others. And if you are not a part of a local church, that means that you have to have something that you are called to that is greater. And for us, the truth of the matter is that it is Jesus. Absolutely. And when we see that and we recognize the importance of that, we don't look at the church and say like, well, what happens if the church dies. Unfortunately, for the most part, I don't think that the world would bat an eye. Mm -hmm. I don't think that they would pause it and stop for a moment to even blink on it. But when we see the church the way that Christ sees Mm -hmm. it, it is far greater the way that we carry for it. We look at the church and we say, I don't want to see a beaten down, bloody bride. I want to see someone who is lifted up and elevated and magnified. And I think for people who don't understand that, the simple concept of this would be to look at the people you love and to see them when there are moments of turmoil and they're being beaten beaten down and there's dissension surrounding their life. You don't look at them and feel no pity. Right. But holiness should stir us as Christians to feel that way about the bride of Christ, about the rest of our church, not just our local church building, but the people in our community who are called into that church one day and that we pray for their salvation and their heart to be known. But also we have to look at the greater church around the world and say, is this church something worth saving? And I believe that God views it as that. Oh, 1000%. Listen, I always say this, like, 
as much as I can see the fault in the modern church, I always say, but she is still the bride of Christ. Always. That for those of you who aren't familiar with scripture, that is how Jesus, he is the groom or the husband and, and the church is his bride and he yeah. wants to come back for her. And, and there is a deep love that he has for her. And so as much as I look at the modern church and I, and, and, and sometimes I'm so saddened by the state of it, I also recognize that this is the bride of Christ. And so I'm very, very careful to not be too despairing of her because, or disparaging of her because she is still who Jesus loves and is returning for. And I'll tell you what, if you are a Christ follower out there listening to us and you're like, yeah, so let's have that candid beyond Sunday conversation. Right. And let's really talk about, you know, the state of being living in a post-Christian world and where the church fits into that. Well, for me, I this is the time. This is the time where like this is Old Testament cycle stuff. Like we're the remnant. Right. And it's time for the remnant to passionately pursue Jesus instead of, you know, praying for, you know, Jesus just come back because it's the end times and the world's so horrible. We just want it to be over. Like in, instead of doing that, like how about if we introspectively say, okay, create in me a pure heart. Right. Create in me a, a, an individual revival so that that will spread out of me so that the light and the and the fire of Jesus inside of me will ignite and spread out of me into everybody I encounter and then so on and so, so forth so that we can become a church that people long to see, to be a part of. We represent the Jesus who came to save the world and people see us and say, I want what they have and they like the mourners who mourned for hours for the queen would wait hours to worship the Jesus we represent. Right. And I think that it has to be that heart. Mm -hmm. I think that is the heart of what holiness calls us to. If we're in relationship with God, then he empowers us to have his heart for his people. Absolutely. And I think that one of the greatest examples of that outside of Jesus in the Bible, we see in Paul. Mm -hmm. And there's a moment in scripture where Paul literally says like that he would forsake all of that he has, all that he is and mm -hmm. all that he will ever be. And he's like, I would forsake that all. I would give all of that up. I would suffer eternal suffering for my brothers mm -hmm. and sisters, for the church. And I was like, man, like, where's that heart? Because yeah. that's the heart of holiness. That's the heart of a person who has been bent towards God and desires nothing but him. And what we see so often is that people, they desire that, but it's like, how do I get there? Right. And that's the question of the day all the time for every person. And the, the answer is, it is an everyday thing. It is. You have to ask that question every day. How am I doing that? It's by submitting myself Absolutely. to God. It's every... by getting in the place of prayer and saying, Lord, would you shape my heart? Yes. I desire to love your people the way that you yes. love them. Lord, I desire to see your people in unity with one another and with your spirit so that when the time comes and Jesus returns, that we would return with him. Absolutely. And God, prepare my heart today for the people that I will encounter. Right. God, prepare me to be the living evidence of Jesus in this world. And I'll tell you what, we use that word holy and people automatically get real nervous because they're like, oh, they're talking about being perfect. Nope. No, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. Holiness is pursuing. Holiness is not about perfection. In fact, let me just tell you this side of heaven, we are never going to be perfect, but I will tell you what holiness is. God is so clear. The scriptures are so clear that when 
Jesus died on the cross to, to pay the price for our sin. Right. Christ we couldn't pay on our own. There's nothing we could do to fix our sin problem. So Jesus comes, steps into history, steps into humanity, and he comes to set us free from the power of sin. And when he raises from the dead, he literally sets us free from, like he sets, he conquers death. He sets us free from the bondage of sin, but then he deposits his Holy Spirit into his believers. This is why he says it's going to be better when I'm gone. As <laughs> right. great as it is that when he's with humanity, he's like, you guys, it's going to be so much better when I'm gone because now my spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the living God is actually going to dwell inside of you. Right. And now you're not a slave to your sin nature anymore. Guys, we were all born with the sin nature. That's just the results of Adam and Eve's disobedience in the Garden of Eden. They rebelled against God when they uh, when they allowed Satan to deceive them. And that's just the natural consequence. We have a sin nature. Right. But once the Holy Spirit's deposited into you, now your natural inclination isn't toward disobedience, rebellion, and sin. Now your natural inclination is to obey yes. and to love God and to give him full authority. And that's what really brings the church back to life. When God's people live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living inside of us. Right. But the thing is, and you guys have to remember this, it isn't simple. It's not easy. Mm, no. Like it's not just like, oh great, now the spirit of God lives in me and now I am going to do awesome from now on. Now my life gets perfect and easy. But the thing of it is it's like not. it has to be pursued from then on out. There has to be a desire and a yearning for and a decision yeah. to pursue on a daily basis. Because what happens when we don't? We return to our sin. Absolutely. We pick up what we once carried and say, This is mine again, I have to bear it. But we have to also remember that in those moments, that's not what we're called to, that we are called right. to live outside of that. Yes. We're called to live in a greater way because his spirit, his presence, literally the embodiment of holiness dwells within us. The image of Christ reflected in our nature now. Yeah. It wasn't in, in back in the old days, it was in the temple, in the places, and now right. it's in the people. Right. And when we do that, when we walk in that, there is something far greater that we have to carry but we can't return. We, we can't, can't return to it. You it's know, not like we can say, all right, Holy Spirit, I'm going to yank you out. Right. I'm going to set you on the jar on the counter. And like every single time I need a little bit of seasoning of the Holy Spirit, I'll just shake you on top of my life. Right. It doesn't work like that. You know, Paul says that we were once dead in our sin and now we're alive in Christ. Well, once you're alive in Christ and the Holy Spirit's de deposited into you, you know, I think so often I always say, you know, we so often carry our death bag. We try to bring our death bags into life. Right. And so when things don't go the way that we thought they should or wanted them to or hoped that they would, we return back to our behaviors and our thoughts and our patterns from when we were dead. Right. And, and, and when you pursue holiness, listen, guys, it's not saying that life is going to always work out the way you wanted it to. It doesn't mean that your life is going to be easy or that you're not going to have struggles or hardships. No, 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 no. The Bible is clear. James says it. Count it a joy when a trial right. comes. Not if, it's when. We will all go through trials and storms and seasons of struggle. But when you pursue holiness, yeah. you will have the tools to walk in the fullness of what Scripture promises us. And that is that we are more than conquerors. Right. I always like to say, it's a quote from that I took from Christine Kane, that we don't fight for victory, we fight from it. Victory is right. already ours. But it won't you won't live victorious if you don't pursue holiness right
That's huge. You won't live victorious if you don't pursue holiness. And I think as we kind of wrap up here, um, I would love to just maybe each one of us share one more thought. It can be about the the queen in relationship to this topic, or it can just be on this topic of holiness, but like just one more thought to like kind of encapsulate like this whole idea. I'm just so reminded that we often hold people and other things in a loftier place than we hold Jesus. Right. And the only way to walk in true freedom, the only way to really be the light of Christ in this world, which is what he called us to be, is to fully surrender and submit our lives to him. You know, I, I think of the way the queen fully submitted and, and and we're not, listen, we're not here to endorse her theology or anything like that or her lifestyle. But what I am, what I can endorse is that she fully surrendered herself to her calling and her position. And I want to make sure that I'm always fully surrendering myself to my calling and my position as the daughter of the most high God because of the sacrifice my savior made for me. Right. I think that when we look at that and we say like the queen, she truly embodied the concept of like for God and country. Mm -hmm. And like, that was the thing that you knew what she professed is that it's God first and then my country. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we look at this in our own context, and I think this is what scripture calls us to, uh, we spent time in prayer this morning with our staff Mm -hmm. and our students. And uh, God reminded me of the passage in Romans eight that talks about that when we profess with our mouth, Mm -hmm. Jesus as Lord, we are saved. And then when we do that, his Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, like you were talking about earlier, dwells in us. And like when we live that lifestyle of for God and for his people, Mm -hmm. we live in holiness. And I think that that is so crucial. It's the greatest commandment. It's that is the greatest love, commandment. Love the, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love uh, peop, love others as you love yourself. Right. That that's it in a nutshell. That's what holiness looks like too. It's man in relationship with a holy God. Absolutely. Well, Casey, as we are wrapping up today, I would love for you to just end out our time with our listeners exactly how we end start and end everything here at the woods church will you close us in prayer absolutely god we just thank you uh, for your presence for your spirit that rests in us that for those of us who confess jesus as lord and savior that we can be assured that you have brought us salvation and that you are continuing to walk and dwell with us and lord we just long to live a life where we choose that daily where we look at you and we say god you are the only thing worthy of my life. You're the only thing worthy of pursuing that we come to you in relationship in hunger and desire, not just for ourselves, but on the behalf of your people, on the behalf of this broken world that scriptures of the creation is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. And God, we desire to be those sons and daughters who walk in the calling uh, and bring your life and your light back to this earth. God, would you continue to use your people? Would you sharpen us? Would you continue to make people's hearts tender? For those of us who do not understand what holiness looks like or even what it looks like to confess you as Lord and Savior, would you continue to draw near and as a holy God, remind your people what it looks like to chase after you. We praise you and we worship you today and we pray this in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, until we meet again, may you continue to passionately pursue God and relentlessly reveal Jesus to the world every day of the week.